Welcome to Better Shelves, a podcast from the Bookshelf Limited. We help aspiring authors to create life-changing non-fiction books. We're based in Birmingham, but we work with authors across the globe, and our mission is to make the world a better place through books. Hi Carly, thank you for joining us on the Better Shelves podcast today. We're going to be talking about your book, A Pocket Full of Porn, which is basically a shocking expose into the pornography industry. The book came out at the end of last year and it's very, very educational and informative, also very eye-opening. So what made you decide you wanted to write a book about the pornography industry? Did you always know that you wanted to write a book about this? No, not at all. It actually started because of an issue in my relationship. So I'd been with my boyfriend Tom for six months and I remember thinking he was perfect in every way and he got on really well with my son. And I think I just felt really lucky that I had met somebody so sweet and honest. But then one day I was taking photos of the three of us on his phone and I found an image of the porn girl. Yeah, I think a lot of women will have experienced that, actually. I definitely remember borrowing boyfriends' phones in the past and accidentally finding pornography on there, and it's quite shocking when you don't expect it. How did you react when you found the pictures? I was really shocked because I felt like there was no need for porn in our relationship, and I was really disappointed in him. And that feeling then turned quickly into anger, and I remember when we got home, my son was busy playing, so I asked Tom about it. And then I started researching the industry for myself and talking to him about what I had discovered. And that's what led me on to write the book. Yeah, in the book, you really honestly detail the conversations that you had with him. And I don't think many authors would be brave enough or comfortable enough to share those kinds of personal conversations. So I really commend you for that. Yeah, the reason why I documented mine and Tom's private conversations was because I wanted it to be real. I want women to see that this goes on in the majority of households and by having conversations with our partners, we could actually stop this. That's so true. I think those conversations are really interesting to read, actually. So what did you discover while you were researching? I found that it's full of teenage girls and underage girls. You've just got to spend 10 minutes on a mainstream porn site to see that. Nowadays, anybody can upload a video on their phone and post it. Onto a porn site, you just have to click a button confirming that you are 18 and over. And this could be somebody as young as 11. They might just look older. Tom wasn't aware of this, and I don't think many people are. And there are also hundreds of thousands of girls that are trafficked into porn. And there's never an airtight way of knowing if a girl is willingly there or not. Yeah, some of the things you mentioned in the book I found really shocking. I think the assumption is that everyone's having a great time, but the book really shines a light on what it's actually like. Absolutely. I think the assumption is that everyone is having a great time, but the book shines a light on what it's really like. A lot of the girls smile for the camera like they're having a great time, but they've actually taken strong painkillers beforehand because it's so painful for them. On every mainstream porn site, I saw physical aggression, lots of verbal abuse towards girls. I also discovered how bad the porn performers' drugs and alcohol addictions were and realised this wasn't just a problem with me and Tom. This is a global problem we have. I remember speaking to a lot of women when I was researching the book and most think porn is is normal and it's kind of a boy girl having sex just like I used to but it's not boy girl having sex it's really degrading and I think women should watch it 
just so they can see for themselves how bad it really is. That's such a good point. I actually spoke to a few of my friends and their partners about it while we were working on the book. And one of my friend's partners said it's really difficult to find normal porn these days, which I found so surprising. Um, Some of the trends you mentioned in the book are frankly horrifying. Absolutely. I found that 88% of porn videos contain violence against women and that many women now think it's completely normal for their boyfriends to strangle them during sex or spit on them or have their breasts slapped. There's actually a chapter in my book called Sex Games Gone Wrong and in the book where I talk about men literally getting away with murder and girls being strangled on Tinder dates or being told they're boring for not wanting to be choked. It's really concerning, isn't it? I mean, that figure that 88% of porn videos contain violence against women has really stayed with me. And I think in a time when we're talking about violence against women and women being murdered when they're walking home, we really need to look into things that are creating this culture where violence against women is seen as acceptable. And if we're ignoring the fact that 88% of porn contains violence against women, then we have a big issue. I think another thing you talk about is the fact that younger children have access to pornography and they're basically seeing videos that suggest women want them to be violent during sex and we really need to talk about the effect this is having on children which is a topic that you raise in the book and I think it's such an important point that isn't really being discussed. Yes I found that boys as young as 11 are watching this violent porn and people don't realise you can watch porn for free on social media on your phones. That's where the name A Pocket Full of Porn came from. I was shocked at the amount of rape and sexual assault cases we have in our schools and what the experts are suggesting is that porn is one of the main causes of sexual violence. It's also making young girls think they have to sexualise themselves and I definitely don't want my son growing up thinking it's normal to hit women during sex. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you wrote this book because I learned so much from it as a woman and I think other women will as well. Um, Who did you initially decide to write the book for? Was it for other women? Before I started writing it, I did ask my male friends if they would buy a book about the dark side of porn and want to read the conversations between myself and my partner. So some wanted to know if there would be any pornographic pictures in the book and others just said they wouldn't buy it because they didn't want to stop watching porn. So I wanted the book to be for women and for them to know what really goes on in secret and to know the truth about what porn actually is, which is abuse, drugs, disease, underage girls, trafficking. So they then can start the conversation with their partner. That's such a good point. Even though it's a difficult subject and it's awkward, you know, we do need to start talking about porn. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I realised that when I originally tried to get a publisher and found that agents read the word porn and automatically didn't want anything to do with it, it's really frustrating when people aren't on the same page as you and having it rejected is so hard because you believe in it and it becomes your baby but nobody wants to take it on because it's so controversial. Of course, it's still quite difficult to get a publishing deal from a traditional publisher when you're writing about controversial or non-mainstream topics. But it's great that you decided to self-publish and it's one of the reasons that I absolutely love self-publishing because it gives people a platform to talk about these really important topics. What did you find was your biggest challenge in that process? I think the biggest challenge was having time to write it. It actually took me four years and I work full-time as a children's residential worker 
and I have a son. So every moment I had to myself, I would write. Working in a children's home, I worked shifts. So it was tricky, but manageable. Um, I think also if you really want to do something, then you make time for it. And looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? I had been writing the book for over a year and asked someone to take a look at it for me. And she told me I should be referencing everything. And it seemed so obvious, but I hadn't been doing it. I just assumed people would believe what I was writing. So it never actually occurred to me that they might want to look it up or read the report or article themselves. So it took me a long time to go back over everything and try to find the sources again. So if I could do anything differently, it would definitely be to start referencing everything straight away. That's so true. It's much easier if you keep track of your references as you go, because it's a pain going back to find them later. But let's be honest, nobody really enjoys referencing. Uh, It's definitely not the happiest moment in anyone's publishing process. Um, What was the happiest moment in the process for you? Probably having the award-winning writer and journalist Hannah Carey get in touch with me via Instagram. Um, Soon after I had published it, she told me that we fought alike and I immediately asked if she would like me to send her a copy of my book and she said yes. So afterwards she interviewed me for the You magazine, which is a magazine that the Daily Mail do, and she put me in touch with other editors, which got me an interview in Woman's Own and The Sun newspaper and also a radio show. So, yeah, and the Amazon reviews I'm getting are so lovely. I'm just so chuffed that people are reading it and getting it and saying things like, it's a massive wake-up call and it's a handbook for all women. Ah, that's amazing. It's great to see that the book's having such a positive impact and I totally agree that everyone should be reading this book. It's also a really good point about reaching out to magazines and trying to get traditional PR and I think that's an area that's often overlooked by self-publishing authors but it can really help to get the word out there about your books. Aside from that, if you had one piece of advice for aspiring authors, what would it be? You have to listen to yourself and realise that you're not going to please everyone. I had so many people saying different things to me about my book but I think it's important to take advice, but at the end of the day, you are the writer and it's coming from your heart. So if that's what you believe in, then go for it. Some people will love it and some people won't. That's such good advice. Not everybody will love your book. I think most authors, you know, hope that they will only get five-star reviews, but the reality is that there will always be someone who doesn't enjoy it or doesn't agree with what you're saying, but you should definitely just get the word out there anyway. So yeah, aside from having a thick skin, what skill do you feel is the most important in becoming an author? I think to be real, just to be completely real and talk in a way that the majority of us can understand and relate to and hire an editor. I'm not just saying this because you're my editor, but working with an editor really helps you because it just makes the book sharper and better so everything flows. And they also offer support and guidance and ideas that you can take or leave. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I absolutely loved working with you on the book. I found it so informative and I learned so much from it. But I also really enjoyed reading the story of you and Tom and how your relationship progressed. And I won't reveal the end of the book to readers about what happens with you and Tom. But I will ask, do you think it's possible for people to salvage their relationship if one of the people is addicted to pornography? I think so. 
a lot of work needs to be done. It's not just one conversation or one documentary or one article that will do it, as you have to undo years and years of something that is completely normalised. We have to re-educate ourselves, but it's worth it because who wants to get off to something that exploits women? Absolutely. It's tough, but it's definitely worth doing. And it's definitely worth having those conversations with your partner. So how do you think it's best to confront your partner if they've been watching porn or if they want to watch it with you? Well, I would suggest reading my book, A Pocket Full of Porn, because it educates people on what porn really is and what it really does to people. I believe the secret porn use we have in our society is like a silent partner in so many relationships. And even men in the most loving relationships can find it's become wired in their brains. And I want to shift men's mindset from porn is normal and great fun to porn is exploitation and full of girls dressed up in school uniforms. In the book, I actually suggest icebreakers that you can use with your partner or your teenager. Yeah, and those icebreakers are really helpful. I think the key message here is that we all need to talk about porn more and we all need to educate ourselves because we want to see positive change. And you know, I think we'd all like to see a world where there is less violence against women. And I think we all need to play a part in that, even though it's awkward and difficult and we don't really want to be having these conversations. So really thank you for your bravery and putting the book out there and being so honest about the journey that you went on. And, you know, I highly, highly recommend that people buy the book. It's on Amazon. It's called A Pocket Full of Porn and people will really learn a lot from it. And hopefully we will start to see positive change. And thank you so much for speaking to us today, Carly. And I hope Hope everybody buys the book. Thanks, Amisha. Really nice talking to you. Thank you. Bye. We can't wait for you to join us as we talk more about writing, self-publishing and self-improvement on this podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. What tips would you find useful? What questions do you need answered? You can find us on our website, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at thebookshelf.ltd. Send us your questions via social media. We'd love to hear from you. In the next chapter, we'll be speaking to Jim Brown, author of Hashtag Life and Clever Enough to be Stupid. The music featured in today's episode is Set Free by Katie Gray, which you can find on Apple Music and Spotify. Thanks for listening to the Better Shelves podcast. We'll see you in the next chapter.